When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome once again to the Man City Show. John Stanley standing in for Nigel Rockband uh, once more as we ask uh, who's going to blink first, us or Liverpool. We look ahead to that epic game in Madrid and find out about the latest lunacy from UA for more on that later and lots more too, I'm sure. Joined by Ian Lees, by Stuart Brockin and by Paul Denby, City fans all. And first of all, gentlemen, your reaction to the game at Leeds at the weekend. Let's kick off with Ian. What do you, what, how do you rate it, Ian? Um, I, thought, I thought it was brilliant, to be honest with you. Bearing in mind Leeds tried to um, uh, do the dirty by uh, altering the pitch slightly, I thought we handled it well with the team uh, that we could put out. Yeah, no, just a professional job. And like Pep keeps saying, every game, all we've got to do is win it. And uh, the, the Premiership's ours. You reckon? Yes, I do. We'll come to that in more detail in just a tick. But first of all, Stuart, your reflections on the game at, uh, at Allen Road. I thought we did well after um, an, a very tough European game a few days before. Uh, I thought we, we buckled down really well under a lot of provocation from the players, from the crowd. Not much help from the referee either, but we did the job in the end. Paul? Yeah, pretty similar. I thought the first half leads kicked us about a bit. They roughed us up. They tried what they could do to make us not play the game we wanted to play. As Ian said, the, the pitch wasn't great either. It was looked a bit, the grass looked a bit long, very well watered. The ball didn't flow very quickly, but we, we coped. And in the second half, it was all one-way traffic. Yeah, we, we gave them a couple of chances towards the end when we were 3-0 up. But by that stage, it, it was job done. So very happy with the result. Ian, you're man of the match. Um, that, that's a good one, Joe. That you know, uh, uh, people are going to disagree with me on this, but I thought Jack Grealish played well. Very Did good. Is, yeah, I thought his performances in the past haven't been great, and I just thought he stepped up a little bit. I know. Let me just talk about Jack Grealish for, for a minute, if I may, with you. Then I, I have to. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. And I like to counsel the, the opinion of other people on this as well. I, I think he played better, and I think he played well against United. I think he scored a great goal. I think it's against Leipzig. Apart from that, I can't recall a single moment when I've said, wow, am I being unfair? Um, I think the expectations of City fans are a lot greater nowadays. You and I will probably remember the days of the Gillingham's and the, where we, if we got a point, we'd be happy. So I think the expectations of our player are a lot higher uh, uh, nowadays. Um, and I think 200, uh, sorry, the £100 million price tag doesn't do many good either. But I think it's his first season. I think he's done well. Um, and I think he's slowly getting into the game. And I think he draws players away uh, from other players um, to, to, to let them to do the job. Because if you remember back in when he played for Aston Villa, they always put two players on him. And I think that's the case now. If you look at Leeds, they always put two players on him releasing Jinchenko and other players so they could perform, to be honest with you, John. Paul, you have you on, on Grealish? Um, man of the match, first of all, then I come to Grealish. I thought three players were outstanding on Saturday. I thought Grealish had a brilliant second half. He got kicked off the pitch in the first half, but was very good. Sterling had a great game as well. I thought his dribbling was fantastic on Saturday. First time I've seen him do that for a while. 
and I thought Foden was magnificent uh, as well. Those were three with my men of the match, if I can allow to have three. And Grealish, I thought, had a very, very good game, one of his better games for us. I think we've got to wait till the second season because a lot of players do come good on the second season. Another uh, a point on a wow moment for Grealish was the goal he scored against, albeit Peterborough, when he took that ball down from midair and just slotted it past the keeper. Brilliant. So he's got the skill. He's got the capability. I agree with you, John. He needs to deliver a bit more or quite a bit more next season, but I'm confident he will. OK, we're doing two questions in one, Stuart, really. Man of the match. For me, it was Foden, man of the match, with that by, by a country man. Uh, man, man, of the match, man of the match, any views on, on Grealish? OK, man of the match. I, I, I can't really give the man of the match to anyone. I thought it was a great team performance. If, if I could give a man of the match, which you're asking me to do, I'd, and twisting my arm, I'd say Ake. I thought he had a great game until he was injured, taken off. Uh, Grealish, there have been signs in the last two, three games maybe, that he's getting, you know, getting used to the pet way. Not yet, not yet at all. He's uh, a little bit disappointing for me. I think he's a great player. I think he will be a great player. I think second season, a bit like Cancelo and a few others, he'll show, he'll show what he's made of. I think he's a, a great player. He will be a great player for us. Yeah, let's just talk about him because I've made a note about him as well to discuss with, with you all and, and I'll kick off with Ian. I mean, Perhaps I'm being unfair on Grealish because Ake's first season wasn't sensational, was it? And and uh, you know he's come good and he's versatile. He can play left back. He can play you know central defender. Uh, Ian, your your views on Ake? A good buy? Oh, absolutely. I think for the money nowadays, if you look at the likes of Harry, Harry Maguire and uh, all them at 70, 80 million, I think what did we pay for him? Forty? Absolute steal, to be honest with you. Absolute steal. It's, it sounds a remarkable thing to say, but you're probably right. Forty million pounds <laughs> steal, uh, Paul Ake. I think he's had a brilliant few matches. I think in the last, I can't count the number of games, but six, seven games that he's played recently, he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, not let us down at all. At the end of the day, he's our fourth choice centre half, but I think he's steadily moving up to being our second or third because. Uh, Laporte had a great game on Saturday, but if we're going to talk about other games, uh, Real Madrid uh, last week, he wasn't great against Real Madrid last week. So uh, Ake is having his, is really coming on. The difficulty, I guess, uh, Stuart, as ever, will be, will be actually keeping players like him happy. For, you know, with the and Zinchenko, for that matter, for, for you know, for the occasional appearance. Yeah. Uh, do, you think, do you think we can do it? I think so, yeah. I think he's probably on decent money, John, uh, like they all are. But, uh, yeah, they all want to play in the first time. They all, all want to play 90 minutes per game. So, But I think, you know, he's proving his worth now as a, as a you know, uh, a utility player, if you like. That's pretty, that's usually a damning indictment of a player. But I think he's, he's good in a couple of positions, like you say, John. Uh, good in the air as well, although he's not that big. Um, I think he will, he was happy enough to stay. Yeah. One thing that struck me uh, in that game, and it struck me once or twice more recently, is our city's resilience. Um, you know, under pre- there's a lot of pressure on, on, on the weekend against Leeds, not least from the crowd. We'll come to that in a, in a, in a, in a moment or two. But, the, you know, they had, they had some good spells, Leeds, Leeds and, and we, we don't seem to panic anymore, do we, Stuart? No, absolutely. I, th- I think the fans panic based on what they saw in the past. But yeah, they look very solid at the back now. They, I mean, I don't know how many clean sheets they get this season. Paul probably knows better than I do, looking at the league table. Um, 
Yeah, I think we are very. I think Diaz makes a huge difference as as a, an organizer, a bit like in in the way that company was Vincent Company. I mean, he, he gets the side, the back for the whatever we play, motivated. He, he tells players what positions to move into, which is which is key really. And um, yeah, we don't, we don't seem to panic as much. Let's say, is it all down to Diaz? I think he's a great. Part of the, in terms of his organisational ability, he does a great job. But even when Diaz has been injured, I think we play very well as well. I think that something has happened in that team over the last couple of seasons that mean that they don't panic anywhere near as much as what we might be used to as having followed the team for a number of years. Uh, they look a little bit more relaxed, if that's the right word, without wanting to sound like they're, they're taking it too easy. They don't panic at all. Um, yeah, they get a bit irritated when they concede a goal occasionally, but so we would. Uh, but I'm always relatively confident, although I must admit my heart was in my mouth a couple of times last week when Edison was um, uh, messing around against Real Madrid. Uh, I'm not sure what was going on there, but um, you've got to get used to that, haven't we? But Diaz is a, is a great, great player, and I think he does help out. Yeah, I was going to... Is Ian still with us? Can you hear me, Ian? Can you hear me, John? Yeah, I can. Yeah. You're back with us. Yeah, great, great. Just making the point that... I was just making the point with the other lads that, you know... One of the great virtues of this team as it's developed is we don't seem to panic anymore. We have great resilience when we're under a lot of pressure. And we're putting that down largely, anyway, to Diaz. Would you agree? I would partly agree. I think it's also down to the training on a daily basis that Pep does because that's part of his of the training exercises on the pitch. Just keep the ball. Don't give it away. Don't panic. Whatever you do. You know, you'll always come good. Keep to plan A, as he always does. Yeah. Are we being, are we being a bit too kind to ourselves, uh, I wonder, Stuart? I mean, we're playing Leeds United, who I think have got to be amongst the favourites for the drop now. They lost, you know, they've had a terrible pe- uh, season for injuries. Even on, on the match day, they lost their captain. And then uh, Stuart Dallas, Pollard was taken off with what I now know to be a broken leg. So are we being, are, did we flatter to deceive? You're not sorry, flattering to deceive. Um, well, no, I mean, it came as I say, four days, I think, after a Champions League semi final against a team that's won it 13 times. The crowd was horrible. I think Leeds were back to their uh, old dirty Leeds tag in some ways. I remember when Jackie Charlton and Norman Hunter were playing, and you nobody ever wanted to go to Leeds and watch that lot or play against them. I think I, I don't think we're flattering to deceive. No, I thought we played a pretty controlled game against a hostile crowd and a hostile opponent. So, no, I was very pleased with the way we played. Yeah, you, you, were, saying, you were saying, Paul, that you, you were a little bit on edge at certain times. How do you account for that? Why, why did we... Not, we didn't let it slip, but it we got a bit edgy, didn't it? A bit nervy. It did when we were 1-0 up, and uh, I think they had about a 10-minute spell midway and or towards the end of the first half where they had a lot of the ball. They started creating the odd, not proper chance, but they... We're threatening a little bit, and that's when I'm on edge. I think we're all City fans are on edge when we're only one nil up. Let's be honest about it. I don't relax until we're three nil up with about two minutes to go. Uh, but but, but one nil up, you you know that it can go very quickly get to one all. So I'm always on edge. And Leeds did have that little bit of threat for about ten minutes or so that just kept me a little bit concerned. But we yeah. we rode it out, and there was no real danger. 
And it, as we've said earlier, it was it was never easy, particularly in view of the hostility of the crowd. Now you expect that, you know, you've got a Crystal Palace. They're a fantastic crowd at Palace. They make a lot of noise. They're great supporters. You expect it at least. But what about the, instant, the all this instance, those instances of people throwing stuff on the pitch, including as Gary Neville picked up a twelve-year-old kid who was throwing stuff on the pitch alongside grown-ups who never at once challenged him, never once made any attempt to stop him. I mean, what can we do about that, Paul? Well, I think Leeds United themselves are a little bit to blame here. They, they were the ones that handed out all... It looked, looked very impressive at first when they had Yorkshire across the um, terrace there with the way they'd handed out all the flags and the colouring. And then basically, as soon as the match started, they start throwing it out. So I think Leeds have got a bit to answer for. Hopefully they'll never do that again. Uh, and I can't blame the stewards because the stewards are basically powerless in those situations. But you'd like to think it's not a banning offence for people who are doing it. They're not creating real trouble. They're, they're, it's a bit of excessive friendly banter towards the players that's paper they're throwing at them they're not throwing coins or missiles yeah, or anything at them it's irritating they should have been told to stop it i think they should put an announcement over the tunnel and just say please don't do it anymore because it disrupted play and then it, it caused them the problems more than us because we were already yeah. winning slow well, things down it's just a bit well, stupid well one of their own players in told, told the crowd off about it but yeah and i i agree with paul about the stewards i mean they're probably earning about eight quid an hour for doing that why should they risk the neck take somebody on in the crowd when they, you know can get a chance I, I don't blame them the least but, but it, it, paul's right isn't he and it it was distracting yeah and i think i think that's all it was distracting if, if you remember against madrid when, uh, um, last week we had flags uh which looked very good very pretty uh, but we all took them home where what can you do at Leeds with a piece of paper other than screw it up and throw it on the pitch? Yeah. So again, I agree with Paul. It's it's down to Leeds. They've got the marketing wrong. They've got their, their strategy wrong. But what's more concerning, and I agree with you, John, when we talk about 12-year-old boys, we had a couple of instances on, Wednesday, uh, on Tuesday where uh, a couple of youngsters ran on the pitch, not, um, not co- uh, extremely coerced by their father or their parents to go on the pitch and ask for the uh, De Bruyne's shirt. And I think it's we've got a trend that that has got to stop. And I think the authorities have to come up with a way that they've got to stop that very, very quickly. Yeah. Now, Stuart, let's look, at, look ahead. Uh, I said at the top, who's going to blink first? You seem very confident it won't be us. On what do you base that confidence? Me. Um, <laughs> and the fact that we can string together long sequences of wins. We've done it before. We do it again. We, In a way, I think it's... Uh, it's probably better. We've got our next two games are after Liverpool's game, so we know exactly what we've got to do. Win. I mean, it's as Pep said, it's very simple. We win all our games. We were champions. If if we don't, we congratulate Liverpool on winning the title. I can't. There aren't too many games in there that I fear. I fear for us. Um, West Ham have got the Europa League on their minds. Uh, Wolves are out totally out of form. Newcastle at home should be okay. Uh, what's the other game? Wolves? Villa. Stephen Gerrard could do it. Stephen Gerrard could do it. Yeah, Stephen Gerrard. I doubt it. But anyway, we'll see. But I think I think we should win all our four, ga- all our four games. And I think they will too. So one point will do it. All right, Paul, if you, if you feel we might blink first, who would it be against? <laughs> oh, I think West Ham have got the Europa League. They're 2-1 down. If they get through to the final, which is a big ask now... Their final is three days after they play us on the Sunday. They play us Sunday 4.30, then the Europa League final is the following Wednesday. If they get through to the final, I think we'll walk it because I'll put a second team out. If we if they don't get through to the final, I think that could be our trickiest match as West Ham away because they'll then be scrambling to get back into Europe next season. 
Ian? Yeah, I agree with Paul. I think West Ham to one. Um, we've not really done well there recently, so that is tricky. Um, Newcastle should be okay with Aston Villa, even though it was Steve Gerrard. I can't see a problem, to be honest with you. So again, just win all, all the games and we'll become champions. Well, on that uh, hopeful note, we'll take a little break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about our prospects in this epic game against Real Madrid. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Man City Show with me, John Stavlin, standing in for Nigel Rothman. We're going to talk now about uh, this epic game in Madrid uh, on, on Wednesday. How do we rate our chances? What do we see as the, the real fears? Let's uh, kick off with you, Paul. Um, confident? Ish. Um, yes, we'll score goals because Real Madrid don't defend like Atletico Madrid defend, but they have this method of scoring goals themselves. Uh, it's not going to be nil-nil. I'd be absolutely uh, totally surprised if it's nil-nil. We can score, we can win, we can draw. It's just a matter of how well we play. Um, we'll come under pressure, no doubt about it, from time to time in Madrid. It will be a nerve-wracking 90 minutes or so. We can win it, but so can Madrid. Am I confident? Uh, I'd say 60-40 will get through. Stuart? About the same, yeah. Um, I don't think it'll be a high-scoring game. I think we'll be a little bit more pragmatic. We'll be a little, little bit more defensive, perhaps. Not too much. Uh, clean sheet does the job. But it's going to be very difficult. I think we should have put them away at the Etihad when Mares missed that opportunity or missed, didn't pass the ball when it could have been 3 0. You saw Pep go berserk. He knew the game would have been over by then, or the tie would have been over. So, um, yeah, we've, we've got a bit to do, but we, we can do it there. We beat them there last time 2 1. Uh, we've beaten them on our last three meetings with them. So, I'm not confident, but I'm, I'm very, very hopeful. I'm not confident either, Ian, and my fear is one, the one that, uh, that has just been alluded to. Uh, but by Stuart, I, I have a terrible feeling we threw it away. I mean, there was a Foden chance, wasn't there, in the game against Real Madrid? It wasn't easy, but it was a chance. Uh, and the Mares, two two chances basically that could, you know taken differently uh, could have could have put the game to bed. Do you share my concern, Ian? Actually, I don't. I'm actually more confident on this one than the others. <laughs> uh, if you, I don't, <laughs> um, if you look at Chelsea, you take the Chelsea game. Um, they, they could have won it over in Madrid as well. They uh, they were three one down at home. So um, yeah, I think there'll be goals, but I think we'll be on the right side of the goals. To be honest with you, um, yeah, we hit the post and Mares missed one, but I, I still think I still think it could be four three in Madrid. To be honest with you, well, four three again. Yeah, again. <laughs> to which team? <laughs> oh, City, of course. Well, I hope so. I'm going. I'll meet you out there, John. I'm going as well. Excellent. Now, who do we play up front? Oh, Jesus, of course. I think his confidence is, um, since he's he, he, he's just putting him away, his confidence is so high now, I think you've got to start him through the middle. And yeah. alongside him, Mahrez and Sterling? Yes. Well, hold on. Where does Foden play then? You've got to play Foden. Midfield. on Saturday. Well, hold on. Then you got Bernardo and De Bruyne. So you've got too many players. You, yeah. I can't see him playing Sterling, Foden, and Mares. He's got a two of those three. So Sterling would drop out, would he, for you? 
for him. He's had, he had a great game of the weekend. I think he's a great player to bring on when against a tired defence mm. at 70 minutes with his pace. So if we needed him, we'd bring him on at 70 minutes. Morris and Foden, I think, with their skill, will cause them a little bit more problem earlier on. And you've got to play Bernardo and De Bruyne next to Rodri in midfield. All right, Stuart, show me through your team. Edison, who's kicking, I'm growing increasingly concerned about. Well, maybe do a bit more on that. Again, <laughs> his, kicking was, his kicking was terrible last week against Madrid. It, it was awful. I don't, know, I don't know what got into his head, but he was just slow. Uh, yeah. He wasn't as confident as he should have been or is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what got into him. But going back to Sterling, he came on, I think, in Madrid uh, when we beat him 2-1. He came on quite late in the game, one as a penalty. If he sort of goes like he did against the Leeds uh, defence, against their defence, which is pretty slow in my opinion, I think he could be the match winner. But it's he, he, the first time I've seen him play like that for weeks. So you what know, do you do with Foden? Defenders, sorry. What do you do with Foden? That's Paul's point. Uh, well, I think he's got to start as well. I don't know. We've got what's called an embarrassment of riches, but there's no bad thing. Um, Pep will decide. Um, I, right. I, I can't second guess Pep ever. So, right, tell me through your team. We'll assume Edison, despite his his uh, questionable kicking, and I assume that if Walker's fit, he'll be right back. T- take me through the rest of it, Stuart. The rest of the team. Uh, we've got Cancelo and. Uh, Fall back. I don't know. Well, can, can I just add there, Stuart? Because um, I, I don't. He, he certainly won't play Walker on, on Wednesday. No, that's I don't think Walker will. No, be Walker fit. won't play. He won't even be fit. He's not had any game time yeah. at all. So I think that's an easy one for Cancelo to be yeah. uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. I think Diaz and Laporte, because they've been yeah. uh, outstanding. Uh, and then the only question for me is Yinchenko or Ake. Mm. You play them two. One of them. Okay, I'd go Ake. Yeah. If you want to be more defensive, you play Ake. If you want to still risk it and go forward, Zinchenko's yeah. better going forward. Ake's mm. better at defending, I'd say. Mm. Yeah. And your yeah. midfield, Paul? Well, it's got to be Rodri, Bernardo, and De Bruyne. I can't, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I can't see any alternative. You've got Gundogan on the bench. You've got Grealish on the bench coming forward as well. But no, I can't see why Pep would change that, but I'm not Pep, and who knows what he'll do. Yeah, but again, I think there was a bit of. Um, if you looked at the team on on uh, at weekend, he didn't play De Bruyne, uh, so that was an obvious choice, and he only brought Bernardo on right at the end. So again, I think there's your choices for for Madrid straight away. Yeah, to be honest with you, and Mares was off. Yeah, um, I think that's a difficult one because Mares kills the game. But he does have skill where he, he can actually hurt Madrid. Um, I think you've got to play Jesus in the middle. And then what do you do? Do you leave Sterling out and just play Foden on the left? So what about, say we play Jesus and say, say we even get the final Jesus scores a winner. Do we keep him or stop him going to Arsenal, Ian? Oh, keep him. Keep him. Keep him. Irrespective of the outcome of the, the rest of the season? Yes, uh, I think so. Because again, what people don't realise, uh, you know, everybody says, well, they want to play every game. Well, you've got to look at the, the, the whole competitions we're in. You know, it's 60, 70 games in a season now for City. So they're all going to get the chance. Look at Jesus now with, with the injuries and everything else we've had. He's come in and he's played marvellous. Aki's not at the, uh, the start of the season, but coming towards the end of the season, he's been good. And to be honest with you, I can't even see Ake playing on Wednesday because he, he took a, an injury uh, a weekend as well. So for me, Zinchenko and Foden on that left would be a far better uh, option. Yeah. Um, so again, it's not about 
do we keep him? It's a case of we need to keep him, to be honest with you. Will we be able to keep him, Paul? Though? If Haaland arrives and, and Arteta at Arsenal saying here's a you know, 30 bob to come to Highbury, um, will, will we be able to keep him? Well, that's going to be up to Jesus. He's got another year or so on his contract. Um, he can either run his contract down or he can say, I want to play more football, therefore I want to move. Um, if we got the right money for him, whatever that might be, maybe his price has gone up a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Um, I might take it, but he's a, he's a great footballer. I like Jesus, as people know on this programme, because we've had discussions about him in the past with various other people on the podcast who don't care for him too much. I think he's a great footballer. His finishing is has improved in the last few games. I like him. I'd like him to stay. Well, I would too. I think he's a great squad player. And if, he, you know, if he's content to play, not, not every game, but help us out from time to time, I'm, I'm all for it. I think he's a fantastic player. Very energetic, very hardworking, and, and, and potentially potent in front of goal. I have a couple more issues I want to, to address with you guys. First of all, I'm from this morning's newspaper, Ian Laderman, a journalist who I respect and I think knows what he's talking about, reveals UEFA's latest idea to spoil all our fun. I don't know if you read this, but UEFA apparently wished to remove uh, home and away semi-finals from the Champions League format oh. and instead take the four remaining teams to a corner of Europe to play two one-off games and then a final in the space of five days. They're going to call it a festival of football. Can you imagine anything more stupid? Can you imagine, in my opinion, can you imagine anything more discourteous and thinking as far as the fans are concerned? Fans having to take a week off work to go to some far corner of Europe when they could be the Etihad and, and maybe even at Anfield, you know? Yeah. I mean, what goes on in their heads? Yeah. Money. John, it's all about what, money. Yeah. John, wasn't that tried a couple of seasons ago? Where uh, Was it COVID and they played the last mm. three games? Yeah, yeah that, was, they, that was COVID, yeah. Yeah, that was down to COVID. So I think it all stems from that, the, the, what, where they're going with this. But again, it, it's like they've come up with this historic place, historic team place, haven't they? Uh, that they want to introduce in 2025. Uh, that's all about money, isn't it? Well, it's all about the, 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 the well-off protecting the well-off, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely criminal, what the, that suggestion. I read it as well earlier in the week uh, about the semi-final and final being over a four- five-day period. Effectively, it's saying to City and Liverpool and uh, this this particular round, then you'd, you'd have the two Spanish teams, the two English teams, four teams of supporters in wherever it might be, Paris, going to Paris for a week, the problem with the fans, uh, let's be honest about it, there will be clashes, uh, unfortunately. That would be the case. And then you've basically you've got to then buy a package that says, I'm going to stay for five or six days, and your team could get knocked out in the semi-finals. You don't yeah. really want to stay. It's absolutely criminal, that suggestion. I just hope it doesn't go far. Well, me too. Me too. In fact, I think it's a very good argument. If City and Liverpool do get to the Champions League final, bringing it back to the UK. Why Wembley. do we need to go to Paris? <laughs> Played at Wembley. <laughs> It's not, not going to happen, though, is it? All right, well, one final thought, lads, before we wrap up. Um, football of the year, according to the, the Soccer Writers Association, is Mo Salah. Your thoughts, Stuart? De Bruyne. <laughs> I've only got one thought. Um, the media seem to have a little bit of a bias towards Liverpool, to, to say it, to, to put it mildly. Um, I think De Bruyne is the best player on the planet at the moment, without any doubt. If he steers clear of injury, um, the winners of the Champions League, and the, and the Premier League. Salah's a great player. He's had a few sort of ups and downs this season. Played in the African Cup of Nations. Didn't come back too well. Um, for me, it's got to be De Bruyne, but I'm biased. We're all biased. Ian, oh, oh, I'm going to be very controversial now because I think it's going to be a Chelsea. I, I would like Rudiger 
as the uh, player of the year. I think he's just been awesome for Chelsea all season, to be honest with you. And the trophies he's picked up, um, but that's me. <laughs> well, fair enough. It's a valid opinion. Uh, Paul? I would, if I split the season in two, I'd say Salah without a doubt for the first 23-24 games to the African Cup of Nations, the last 15 games or so, De Bruyne without a doubt. And therefore, on, on balance, uh, I won't be biased. I'll say Salah just about, but De Bruyne is very, very close. Well, I mean, which raises another point, because these decisions are taken, not just for this award, but they're taken very early in the season, aren't hmm. they? Time hmm. again, which is a bit silly, isn't it? Well, I, I think so. I think they should wait till. I don't understand why they can't wait a couple more weeks. They know when the season's going to end. Why can't they wait till, say, the second week of May, book their dinners or whatever they want to have for late May, early June, and have it then? But they've always done it this way. Right. OK, let's round off now with your score predictions for Wednesday night in, in uh, we hope, sunny, sunny Madrid. Uh, kick off with you, Ian. Your fa- well, the final aggregate score. Wow. Uh, I think 7-6, City. That's a three-all draw, then. <laughs> yes, I'll go with that. <laughs> three-all draw. All right. uh, yeah, let's see the final score in Madrid and then the aggregate score uh, with, with you, Stuart. one all 5 4 to us. one all 5 4 Paul? 3-2, City. <laughs> Good. Come right. on, John. What, what, what are you saying, John? I'm, I'm, I think... What do I think? <laughs> I hope I, with my fingers crossed we, I hope with my fingers crossed we win 5-4 Can I just add can I just add one other thing on the night <laughs> Aggregate Right okay, Before we wrap up can I just add one more thing in the yeah. last weekend of football oh, for Manchester City 31 <laughs> 31 goals we scored the under 18 scored 13 yeah. the uh, under 23 scored 7 the ladies scored 7 and City scored four. Add that together, 31 goals for Manchester City Football Club over the two days that they've matched played, Friday and Saturday. That is absolutely incredible. Yeah, the, only team, the only team that conceded were the ladies. They conceded two. The others were all to nil. Yeah, yep. and just a word about the ladies, because they've come on strong, haven't they? Had a, a difficult start. But <laughs> yeah, they've come on yeah, strong. They, they, could, they could be third, I think, if they win their outstanding game over United. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think Gareth Taylor's done an amazing job this season mm. because it, I think he started off with nine first-team injuries uh, yeah. for about 10 or 15 games. And he did tremendously well to, again, manage them, get them through difficult periods. We've already ended up with one cup, the League uh, the league Cup. So, uh, you know, all credit to Gareth Taylor for what he's done. Yeah. Absolute tremendous job with yeah. them. Fantastic, I agree. And all credit to you guys for joining us tonight on the Man City Show. Thank you very much indeed. Delight talking to you as ever. And thank you, you at home. And fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. If you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this show, contact us at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.